Thank you for listening to this message from Two Rivers Church in Cooper City, Florida. We exist to saturate South Florida and beyond with the hope of Jesus Christ. Now sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the message. And God, I just ask that you touch this place today in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, saturate the atmosphere. God, remove every care and concern. I call every thought into order, into submission to God's word in the name of Jesus. I cast down every evil imagination in the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare that all focus is on you. I speak to every heart to be good soil, to receive your word, to receive your seed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 7, starting at verse 3, and I'm going to read through verse 12. It says this, it says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the, the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the when the men excuse me the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, "What we're doing is not right." This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Aramean camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving. So they have left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out, and then we will take them alive and get into the city. You can be seated. Is there anyone here that it's your first time today? Before I get into this, I want to make sure I greet everyone. Is it anyone's first time? If it's your first time, would you just slip your hand up? We have something we want to put in your hand, a, a packet of information. We have a first timer here. Um, we're going to, ushers are going to bring you. That's right. That's right. Celebrate them. You could have been anywhere this morning and you're here with us. And so we thank you. And if you're watching online as well, we thank you uh, for, for watching and tuning in. You could be anywhere on the World Wide Web, but you're here with us at Two Rivers Church. And so we thank you. You're also part of this congregation. What they're going to give you right now, ma'am, is they're going to give you a, a first-time visitor pack. It's just a brochure, and there's a connection card in there. We want to connect with you, and, 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 and we're not going to sell your information to telemarketers and your email. We're not going to do that. But we want you to take that card when you leave to the breezeway, and we have a free gift for you. Okay? Um, and just so you know, and all of you tuning in online know what kind of church you're coming to when you come to Two Rivers. When the, the name Two Rivers is spirit and truth. We believe in God's word, and we believe in God's spirit. And I said this last week, you know, we're not a Pentecostal church, but we do believe in the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the leading of the Spirit. And we are not a Baptist church, but we do believe in God's scriptures and the inerrancy of the scriptures and every bit of God's word to be true. That we are not a seeker-friendly ministry, but we love all who walk in the door and greet them with grace, mercy, and compassion. You know, 
We are not a holiness church, but we believe in a holy and righteous God. And this is who we are. We're non denomination, but we stand on God's word as truth and we follow the leading of God's spirit. And that is our two rivers. So you've come to two rivers today and that is what you should get. A great balance of God's word and God's spirit. All right. Now, with all of that said, I'm excited. You, if you're coming today, if you've missed a couple of weeks, if it's your first time here, first time online, you're coming to the last week of our Red Series. How many of you guys have enjoyed our Red Series? It's been good. So if you're not clapping, I'm thinking you didn't enjoy it. And um, I'm sorry, I'll pray harder next month for uh, something better. No, it's been a great series. The first week, Pastor Taylor came up and he spoke on what causes us to be bold, what gives us the ability to live louder. He talked about our reliance on God and how that gives us the ability to be bold. He talked about watching for the vision because the devil's in the details and tries to keep us distracted, but we can be bold by relying on who Christ is. And the second week, I came in and I talked about not wavering between two opinions. I talked about the things that try to shut us up in our lives, to keep us silent, to keep us quiet and quiet our gifts and quiet our calls. And then last week we talked about worship and the weapons that come with worship that give us the ability to fight the enemy and give us the ability to be loud in this world. So we talked about worship louder. This week is a culmination of all of those weeks because this week is the do. This week is when we take everything that we learned over the last three weeks that we were so excited about that God gave us a word, we went home, we applied it to our family, and now this week is the, the place where we take that and we do it because we can't just be hearers of the word, the Bible says, but, do, but we have to be doers because hearers only deceive themselves. And so today I'm challenging you with the do. This scripture that we read is so amazing to me how, how God's word though it was written thousands of years ago, can hit us with pinpoint accuracy where we are as a church and where we are as a, as a nation in this millennia thousands of years ago. It's just a testament to God's greatness and his awesomeness. With this particular story, let me give you the backstory. If you go back a chapter and a half, you'll find where the prophet Elisha is camped out and it's him and it's his, his assistant and the Aramean army sur surround him to come and kill him. And his assistant runs in and says, man of God, they're out here. They're going to kill us. What do we do? And, and, and they're just outnumbering us. And, and the man of God, Elisha, looked at him and said, hang, out, hang loose, chill out. There are more with us than there are with them. And he couldn't believe that. So Elisha laid hands on him. He prayed for God to open his eyes. The Bible said scales fell off of his eyes. And he could see chariots and angels camped all around these armies that were camped around them. And so when the armies began to siege and began to come after Elisha, he prayed that God would strike them with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness. They come down and they don't know what to do. He convinces them that he's not the one they're looking for. And if, he, if they would follow him, he'd lead them. So he led them into Samaria. He takes them into Samaria and uh, to the, the king of Israel. And he's there and he's like, should I kill them now? Should I kill them all? And Elisha's response is, no, would you kill a captive or someone that you've captured like this? He says, no, give them something to eat and give them something to drink. And then after they did that, they released them to go back. So now what happens is this, this army gets back to their king and he brings everybody. And he decides that he's going to besiege Samaria and attack. This was an insult to him. And so now they're surrounding um, Samaria. And they besieged it so much that famine hit the land. And the famine got so bad, they cut off supply lines and enforced this famine. And this famine got so bad that what's happening now is 
everything is so crazy to live. It cost to get a, a donkey's head. The Bible says they sold a donkey's head for 80 shekels of silver. The Bible says that they sold a thimble of, of dove's dung. That's right, a thimble of poop from the bird for a shekel of silver. And that's, I mean, we get that for free driving around. <laughs> you wash your car, you're going to get some dung on your car, right? Imagine if you could scrape that off your windshield and sell it for a shekel of silver, right? It's crazy. A thimble of dove's poop for a shekel of silver. That's how bad it has gotten in this place. They use that for salt or to flavor their food or whatever have you. It got so bad that one mother went to another mother and, 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 and she approaches the king and she says, King, I need your help. And he says, what can I do for you? And she says, I met with a woman yesterday who told me that we should eat my son. She said, let's boil and eat your son. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. She said, so I agreed with her. And I've, we boiled my son and we ate him and we were filled. And today when I went to find her, she hid her son from me. This is how bad it had gotten in the land at this point when you find these lepers sitting out the city gate. And the, the thing when I look at this is how accurate of a picture that is to us and where we are. You think about the inflation of our times in our country. That we think that all the prices have to rise on product and that is fair. That at one point when gasoline was a dollar and change a gallon, now it's justifiably approaching $4 a gallon because of conflict in the world. We see where we would one day pay this for something and now we pay way too much for it. We see where, uh, as a result, the value of the dollar drops. And so we say the dollar's not worth as much. It can't buy you as much. Everything's topsy-turvy. And then on the other side of it, we see on, on a whole nother level, we get the emotional side of it, where we'll pay too much in a relationship, where we'll give too much for a small friendship, where we'll give everything we have just to be told I love you, just to be told you're pretty, just to be told you've done a great job, just to be told you're accepted. We'll give way too much. We'll feed into a friendship. We'll feed into a scenario just to get meager things back. We'll, we'll get a meager home in an area that has a great school, but pay four times as much for it than we would for that same home just a few blocks over. And we're told that that's fair, and that's where we find ourselves and what's, with this type of famine that we run in. And in this very system, we have convinced ourselves, and people have convinced us to devour our children and to devour our families so that we can eat tomorrow. That if I have to work two jobs, and not have any quality time with my children and lose them to this world, then it's worth it because I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I can eat tomorrow. That if I need to have an abortion because it doesn't fit into my life tomorrow, then that's worth it because I have to live tomorrow. That if I have to work crazy hours and do this to build my career and my children never see me at their games and never see me with their support, then it's worth it because tomorrow we have this. The problem with that, that thinking that we run into often is it never pays off. The promise never pays off. What we were offered never pays off. We show up to get what we were offered and it's hidden from us. All we can do is work longer hours. All we can do is take another job. All we can do is live with the depression and live with the pain of the choice that we made because it never pays off. And so what happens is, in the midst of this whole scenario, these four lepers have an awakening. 
These four lepers have an awakening. See, I want to take a small moment to, to make this note for you to remember it. Never discount your worth. God qualifies and uses the most unlikely people to bring about his salvation. Never disqualify your worth. These four lepers, they have this awakening. And they get up and they look at each other and they say, why should we sit here until we die? And then they start rationalizing. If I go into the city, the famine's there, and we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into this camp, then there's supplies there. Maybe we'll survive. Maybe they'll let us live. But if they don't and they want to kill us, we'll only die. And this is the mindset they run up on. And the thing with it is it hits us in the same way because we found ourselves here before. Before we were saved, we found ourselves here. And we said, you know what? Why should, I can't live like this anymore. We said, I can't be like this anymore. If I pursue this relationship further, if I pursue this career deeper, if I pursue this addiction any harder, I'm going to die. But if I, if I just sit here and what I'm doing, this hasn't worked for me this far, this far. This has not worked for me so greatly to this point. And so something has to change. Now, I've heard about a place. And in this place, I heard it was filled with uh, people who would judge me. I heard it was filled with hypocrites. I heard it was filled with liars. I heard it was filled with gossips and adulterers and backbiters and complainers. But I also heard there's a possibility that if I go there, I could find life. And so these lepers, they get up and they start walking. And what was just four lepers, quiet footsteps, was transferred and transformed through the Holy Spirit into the sound of horses and chariots and armies and thunder. And as these four started walking, the sound of an army came from under their feet. And when they got there, the camp was empty. The camp was empty and they ran into the camp and they were, they were saved. The Bible says that they ate and that they drank. And then they started taking things. They, they took clothes and they, they saw horses and they took gold and silver and they went and they hid it. And then they came back in and they went to another tent and they found more things that they took and they hid. And that kind of hits us in the place where we said, you know what, I can't sit here anymore. And we got up and we came to a church and we came to a place that we thought was filled with the enemy. But when we got up and we started walking towards it, just know that you are not alone. That God always has your back. Even when you didn't know him, you are never alone. And that should be on the screen that you are never alone. <laughs> that God always has your back. <laughs> right? So when you got up and you started walking towards a place, when you took that invitation, when you said, I've got to get to the house of God, as you walked, God made the sound of horses and chariots begin to come from your feet. And when you thought you were going to walk into gossips and when you thought you were going to walk into this scenario, you walked into a place that you were actually accepted and you were loved. And you were saved when you got there. And so you were filled with the spirit and you were filled with his word and, and you were replenished. And God began to make sense of your life again. And as he began to make sense of your life again and put things in order, you began to be restored and, you, and he began to provide things for you. Maybe he fixed that problem on your job. Maybe he corrected the hours in your career. Maybe he gave you a car when it was needed, when it was time from a total stranger or gave you the ability to go and purchase a car when you should have never had that ability. And he provided this and you started taking these things and you could see hope for tomorrow. You said, you know, maybe at some point I could put away for retirement. I can take this thing and apply it to my family so that tomorrow I can be provided for. 
And what happens at this point, though, is the lepers went in and out, and they were taking things and taking things from themselves, and then they were confronted by the Holy Spirit. They were confronted by the Holy Spirit about what they were doing. To where one of them looked, and the Bible says, he says, what are we doing? What we are doing is not right. He says, we are keeping this all to ourselves. He says, he says, this day, this is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go once for, at once and report this to the palace. And I wonder how many of us at times ever face this confrontation. I wonder how many of us come in and out of a place like this on a Sunday morning, whether this is your church every week or you're just visiting and you go somewhere else, but you come in and out of a place like this every week and you began to rebuild your life and you began to take the things you found in this place and put them away for you in the future. When do we run up in, into the mirror and say, what I'm doing is not right? That this is good news. That this is a place of good news. That this is a day of good news and we're keeping it all to ourselves. That maybe I should get out and report this to someone else who's in this famine. Report this to someone else who's dying by, uh, along in the day, who's caught up in their scenario. This, if, if I wait any longer, I, I, I'm gonna be tormented. Like God's gonna hold me accountable. Punishment will overtake me. God's gonna hold me accountable for taking what I found and burying it. The Bible says when he gave the talents out, five, two, and one, the one who had one went and buried it. And Jesus called him a wicked and lazy servant and had him thrown out where there was torment, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. So at what point do we confront ourselves and say, you know, what we're doing is not right? The bottom line is we are not called, we are not saved to keep the good news to ourselves. Say that. Say, I'm not called or saved to keep the good news to myself. So they go to the king's house and they tell him of the salvation that they found. They say, hey, listen, we came out here. Let me tell you about this place. Just saved our life. And, and, and the enemy's gone. What you thought was happening at that place, what you thought was happening at that church, what you thought was happening in that, in that community, that's not happening. All that stuff's gone. And there's nothing there but salvation for you. And the king was skeptical. People often are. And he says, no, I know, what, I know what they're doing. They're playing coy. They've gone out and they're hiding because they know we're starving. They know that, we're, that we're, we're hurting in here and they just want us to come out so they can take stuff from us. They just want us to come out so they can come out and then they can get us and then they can get into the city. That church just wants you to come out so they can take your money. They just want you to come out so you can hold a door and do something for them. That church just want to take something from you. This is the king's skepticalness. You know, the Bible says in Luke 9 that Jesus sent out his 12 disciples into the towns and to begin to minister the gospel. The Bible says what happens is they get to Samaria, two of them get to, Sam uh, to Samaria, and Samaria rejects them. They don't want it. They don't want this message of the good news. They don't want to hear about this salvation. They don't want to hear about this, this, this Lord that's coming, this kingdom that's at hand. And so they look to Jesus and say, should we call down fire from heaven like the prophet Elijah? And Jesus confronts them and says, no, no, I didn't come to destroy people. I came to give them life. And a lot of times that's what stops us is when we go to offer the good news to somebody and we go to tell them about Jesus, people reject it and then we're mad at them. We take it so very personal. And we, and we don't want anything else to do with them. And if you don't want it, then fine. If you don't like it, then fine. You know, forget them. I'm not thinking about them. Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy people. He says, I came to give them life. And then as you move forward into Luke 10, what happens is then he sends out 
72 people in groups of two, the Bible says the places that he would go. So he was preparing to go to places, and he, so he sends out these 72 groups of two. Now, who are these 72? We don't even know their name. Of course, we expect it from the 12. But then it comes down to regular people like us. But then it comes down to regular Joes like you and me that get sent out to prepare the way and be in the places that Jesus wants to go, that Jesus wants to go into your community, that Jesus wants to go into your neighborhood, that Jesus wants to go into your school, or he wants to go into your job. And so he sends us out and he equips us to do it. He qualifies us. He tells them, he says, I'm going to send you out like a lamb among wolves. You're not qualified to do it. You're a lamb among wolves, but I'm sending you out. And he made this choice. And what happens next is he says to them, go into the house and pray when you walk up to that house, peace be on this house. He says, if you find a man there who is peaceful, then your peace will remain on that house. He says, if someone there and they don't want your peace, it will return to you. And he says, and then eat and drink with them. The same way Elisha says, no, don't kill them, give them something to eat and drink. He says, eat and drink with them. And then after you've eaten and you've drank it with them, he says, heal the sick. Heal the sick. You think about this. You know, I put some things on Facebook over the last couple of weeks like, what would you do if you weren't afraid, if you loved people enough to invite them more than you were afraid to approach them? I put things on Facebook like, if you knew where God would be at a certain time in a certain location, what would you do? I put things on Facebook like, if you know someone who is sick who needs to be healed, bring them here. Because the Holy Spirit of God is here and they will be healed. Because this is what Jesus told us to do, to go out and heal the sick. And so he sends them out and he tells them, heal the sick if you, if you hear this. And he says, don't worry about your own pride. In a sense, he says, who he, he who hears you, hears me. It's not about you. It's not about you being accepted. It's not about you getting one notch on your belt. He says, tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near you. This is about them completely. And he's, he's ministering to them and telling them this. So they go out and they come back. And they come back now victorious. And they're excited. I can imagine two by two going up to total strangers in cities they're not used to. I know that feeling because I'm in a city that I'm not used to. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, how do I bring this thing that's in me to a place that I don't know anyone and know what's going on? It's a, it, it'll make you nervous. And they come back now excited, now that God has moved. And so you, like, same thing, as I see God move and I see him move, I become more and more excited about what God is doing in two rivers. And they said, they said to Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were so excited. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus says, yes, they are, because I qualified you. He said, I've given you authority to trample the serpents. I've given you authority to trample the scorpions. I've given you authority to trample addiction. I've given you authority. In your neighborhoods, I've given you authority. And so he, he, he tells them again how he qualifies them. And he lets them know they're not alone because they're walking in his authority. Then he requalifies them again. Jesus never stops telling us who we are because he knows we struggle. And he never stops reaffirming us. And he says, he, he starts praising God and he's just thankful. He says that God would do this not through the wise and not through the prudent, but that he would do it through babes. 
He's not doing this through politicians and he's not doing this through those who have incredible influence. He's doing it through you and me. Us who no one would have ever thought we could have done this. And so he reaffirms them. And after all of this, all of this teaching, all of this power, all of these testimonies, all of these things that have been seen by the people and have been told to the people, someone steps up still and contests him. They disagree. And if they disagree with him, I'm sure there's people sitting in here today that disagree with me. And if I say you should do this, they're going to say, no, we shouldn't. And I can show you the power of God answering it, and you can say, I don't care. Because they did it to Jesus. This man steps up and, and, and he, he, he contests Jesus. And he says to him, how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus says, well, how do you read it in the law? What's it say? And he says, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you answered right. The man said, well, who is my neighbor? He begins to try to justify the fact that he's not keeping these two commands. He wants the benefit of God. He wants eternal life. He wants God's blessing. He knows what to do. He knows he's not doing it. So now, because he knows he may have loved God, but he's not loving his neighbor, he has to try to find the loophole in the scripture that justifies you being disobedient. He says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, there was a man who came on a journey and he fell into the hands of robbers. He says, where they stripped him naked, wounded him, beat him, and left him half dead. He says, and then a priest, a certain priest, a pastor of a ministry, saw him, happened by and saw him, and crossed the street to walk by and not say nothing to him. And then a Levite, and a Levite were the assistants to the priest who served in the temple. So it wasn't just the pastor, but his whole staff had his spirit. The same pastor that left, that, 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 that walked across, his staff who serves in that church and keeps the candles clean and keeps the doors open, he walked by and he, the Bible says, he looked to see. And then he crossed over and went on his way. No help came from the church. No help came from the church people. No help came from the ministry. Those who had the good news were keeping it all to themselves. But then a Samaritan, who to the Jews were considered dogs, a Samaritan who was considered not qualified to do anything, who was the most unlikely person who should not know God of all, uh, at all. Where Jesus told a Samaritan woman, you guys worship who you do not know. We worship who we know. So, so two people who know God and versus one who doesn't. And one who doesn't walks up to this person and he picks him up and he cleans him up and he puts him on his own donkey. He uses his own resources. He takes his own money, takes him to an end, pays for it, says, keep him here till I return. And if any bill should rack up above this, I'll pay for that too. And Jesus said to the man, he said, which one of these was a neighbor? And he said, the one who had mercy on him. And he said, go and do likewise. You see, we find ourselves in this story all the time where people have traveled in this world and they have come upon thieves and robbers, people who have robbed them of their peace, 
who have robbed them of their joy, who have robbed them of their innocence, who have robbed them of their opportunities, who have robbed them of the time that has deserved them. And I am not one to play a victim mentality. We are to be empowered in Christ and walking out God's destiny, but I'm no fool either. And I know no five-year-old girl asks her uncle to crawl into her bed. I know no woman asks to be raped. I know no child asks to be aborted, or no woman asks to be tricked into it, not knowing how heavy it will be afterwards. I know no one likes to be at the bottom of the bottle hating their life looking up. And so people walk into scenarios where things were stolen from them, where they were stripped, stripped of their dignity and stripped of their, of their pride and stripped of proper training growing up and stripped of a father because he ran out or stripped of, of, of this because of his reputation and were wounded by others, probably wounded by the church and left half dead and, and they lived dead. But we have a God that offers life, the God of the resurrection, that if you believe in him, you should never die. And we know this, but we cross the street to avoid them, to avoid the gay, to avoid the, 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 the drunk, to avoid the, the, the fornicator, to avoid this one and that one, to avoid that church's people, and to avoid those doctrinated people, and to avoid those Jewish people, and to avoid those Latter-day Saints, and to avoid those Muslims. No, man, hurting and lost comes in all forms. And if they serve any other God but the God of the universe, our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, they are just as lost and broken. We cross the street, we ignore them. And because we do it as leaders, our people turn around the same way. And they look and see, we got something to say about it, but we cross the street too. And you know what happens? Someone who doesn't know God, who knows what it's like to feel like that, looks to them and picks them up and puts their resources into them. These are the resources of the enemy. You do understand that. That when a little girl feels like her father doesn't love her and that she's not pretty and she's not worth it and some other little girl rubs her leg and says, you're beautiful and she likes the touch and gets nursed back to some sort of emotional health, that other little girl says, I'll pay the price. We'll keep her here. And if she ever outgrows what I paid, I'll give more because the enemy wants to investigate people. That alcoholics find alcoholics and gossips find gossips and adulterers find people that make it acceptable and a whole industry online that they can type up to look to make it okay. And men who are stuck on porn don't talk about it but are okay when jokes are made because it makes them feel good about where they are. We are okay making an investment with the wrong thing as the church walks by. God will qualify anybody. And I'm not saying that this Samaritan was the enemy. This Samaritan was qualified by God to bring health. But we have to be very careful when we walk past people. Who's going to find them on the road? And so what happens now is Jesus says, go and do likewise. So I look to Two Rivers Church. And you have been relying on Jesus, so that's why you're bold. And you have decided that you're not going to waver between two opinions. 
that you're not going to serve God in money, that you're not going to serve God in lust, that you're not going to cower behind relationships, but you're going to be bold for Jesus, that you're not going to play this game and you've made a commitment that I won't be quieted by the enemy and you've worshiped louder and you've set things in order in the spirit and the enemy has left because of your worship and because you've gone out and served God with obedience. But now we're at a point where, where you know what? That's all great. Go and do likewise, though. Go and find the broken. Go and find the wounded. Go and find those who have been stripped naked. And nurse them back to health and make every investment in them you can. You know, the church, if you read this story and you read anything about Jesus, you know what Jesus never did? He never cut anybody's grass to get them to come to church. You know what Jesus never did? And I've got nothing against this. And we may even do it to have fun sometimes, but Jesus never did trunk or treat. Jesus never did an Easter egg hunt to get people to come see his resurrection. Jesus never said, let's go out here and do this and do that and have some big event to gather thousands of people that will come and take the resources and then go and not, and not ever come and be connected to his kingdom. No, he said, why should this tree take up the ground if it's not giving fruit? Let's cut that thing down and be more effective. You go and you do likewise. It doesn't cost the church anything for you to knock on your neighbor's door. These four lepers, they get up and they go to the king's house in the same fashion of go and do likewise. This is a day of good news. We have to share it. If we don't share it, it hurts us. So let's go and tell the king. They go and tell the king and he's skeptical. And you know what? Everyone doesn't come out at first. You think because we got saved and we're excited about Christ and we know his power and we know his word that the first invitation we give that everyone's supposed to come running. And when it doesn't, we're discouraged like, God, where were you? And what happens is everyone doesn't come out. They accuse that camp. They accuse this church of being everything they've always accused churches of being. But one guy heard it. And the Bible says, he looks at the king and says, well, listen, we're stuck in here. This isn't working. This is what they say. If it's true, let's take the five remaining horses. Let's take the little bit we got left. We got just enough right now to get them moving. You send a couple of guys out there. If it's true, they'll report it. If not, they'll die. And we'll be in no worse condition. We could at least try it out. How many people are around you who are like, man, we could at least give this a shot? Sure, I'll take your invitation. Nothing else has worked. Yeah, I've been to every doctor, I've taken every medicine, I've taken every test, and I, it's been years, and nothing else has worked. Yeah, please lay hands on me if your God can heal me. Yes, I've been to every interview, I've submitted every resume, I've knocked on every door, and if you can get me in front of a God who can give me favor and get me a job, I'll come. I've tried everything to get through to my kid, and since he's turned 13, he doesn't listen to anything. Does this and does that, you can get me Yes. You can change my heart so I can hear him. Yes. Who's sitting around us? So they send these five horses out and they come back and report, absolutely. What they say is true. If you go there, the roads are just ridden with clothes and gold and weapons and horses are everywhere. It's just there. It's there for the taking. It's just free. This salvation is free. It's free. And what happened is when they came back with the report, wasn't the first time. 
But when these guys came back, when someone that was in that neighborhood came back to that neighborhood and reported the good news, and they saw it wasn't just some, some guy they don't know, some preacher who's preaching, but someone that they know, that they've identified, that they knew their past, and now they're screaming of the salvation, the Bible says that everyone in the city got up and pillaged this place, that they ran out and just ran all through it and took up everything, and took up everything. Imagine if Two Rivers was a place that we couldn't afford the people who were in here because there were so many people in here. They came in and they took up every resource and every seat was taken and in and, and our youth group there was no room and there, wasn't, there weren't enough doors to hold open for all the ushers who wanted to ush something and there wasn't enough teenagers to play with for every adult who said, I want a mentor. And they pillaged the place. And what happened when they took hold of it is what was just 24 hours ago cost you a shekel of silver for a thimble of dove's dung and 80 shekels of silver for a donkey's head. 24 hours later, for a shekel of silver, you can get a whole sia of flour and two, two sias of barley for the same shekel of silver. Everything in their life changed overnight. The provision of God showed himself faithful overnight. The upside down emotions changed overnight. The devouring of babies changed overnight. Thank you for listening. For more messages, you can visit us online at tworiverschurch.tv.